Hey guys, we'll get to the podcast in a minute. I just wanted to say thanks for taking time to listen to this podcast. Everyone here at Kaiju FM really appreciates all our listeners. If you want to help us make more episodes like this, more podcasts like this, please think about supporting us. You can check us out on Patreon at patreon forward slash Kaiju FM. We've got a whole host of rewards like Patreon-only podcasts, behind-the-scenes information, and even some special episodes from your favourite Kaiju FM shows. We really appreciate any and all support you can give us. We like making these shows, and we'd like to make more for you. Cheers, and now on with the show. You introduce it, and then I introduce the film. Welcome to this week's episode of The Prestige, a podcast all about films, filmmaking, and film analysis. Each week we pick a movie, we review it, talk about it, and discuss some of the ideas and themes that it throws up. And as always, we'll end with our recommendations for further reading, further watching, further sort of movies check out, inspired by uh, this week's movie. But before we kick off, a quick catch-up on what else we've been watching, whether on film or TV during the week. So, Rob, how about you? I'm really, honestly, I'm trying to think of something to recommend this week, because it's been a quiet week for us. I haven't really watched anything we haven't done before. We've been watching TV, but we discussed things like uh, Supernatural, Scandal, Riverdale, um, all that kind of stuff. We discussed all that. So I'm actually going to recommend something I've been listening to, rather than something I've been watching, which is a break from the norm, but it's been a quiet week. Mm-hmm. And I want to recommend a, another podcast, uh, by the name of Junk Food Cinema. It comes from the uh, Film School Rejects um, website blog. And essentially, it's two film critics uh, with a deep love of what they call junk food cinema. So things like The Rock, Con Air, Pump Volume, very popularist, very mainstream, uh, very kind of not highbrow cinema. Um, but they infuse it with a deep love of cinema, deep knowledge of cinema and uh, deep joy in these films. Uh, so, yeah, that's my recommendation. It, 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 I've, been, I've, been, I've, been, I've been listening to it for the last week, really enjoying it. The episodes on Pop-Up Volume and Empire Records are two standouts for me. Good. And Tombstone. They've, they, they, they talk about Tombstone. Having Tombstone in years, I should watch Tombstone. My recommendation is um, something you suggested some weeks ago, and I've only got around to watching um after having finished the interminable Iron Fist, which, well, less said about that the better, um, it's the first series of the great um, TV box set, Mister Robot, uh, starring Christian Slater, um, is the probably the most well-known name, but it's garnered a lot of critical acclaim for its acting performances. Not least from the uh, protagonist himself, uh, stars Rami Malek in his breakout role as Elliot Alderson, Alderson, who is a cybersecurity engineer. And you've talked about how faithful it is uh, in terms of the tech involved and the way that he interacts with people as a sort of a uh, not particularly socially confident individual is particularly well drawn as well so i would thoroughly recommend that um, me, and me. Who knew i've been raving about this for, for years <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah 
Yeah, like your job is exciting. <laughs> yes. Right then. So this week's film. Um, this week we're embarking on the first in a new franchise. Is the 1989 Tim Burton film Batman. Vicky Vale. Bruce Wayne. And what do you do for a living? <laughs> Lieutenant, is there a six-foot bat in Gotham City? Nice outfit. Batman is Tim Burton's take on the Batman mythos. Um, it's a combination of the comics, The Killing Joke and The Dark Knight Returns, uh, Alan Moore and Frank Miller. Um, and it's after a couple of decades hiatus on screen. So the, the last incarnation of Batman on screen was the, I think, the TV series in the late 60s. Uh, Michael Keaton stars in this film as the tortured billionaire Bruce Wayne with a vigilante alter ego. In this film, he tries to balance a budding romance with photographer Vicky Vale, played by Kim Basinger, and his fight to bring down Jack Nelson's Joker, who's intent on wreaking havoc in Gotham City. And it turns out that in the first act, Batman unwittingly has a hand in creating this Joker persona. In the second act, the Joker intrudes on his relationship with Vale, and by the third act, Wayne's found a serious motivation for stopping the Joker and his exploits. So, Rob, your thoughts? Now, this is a complex one for me, to be honest. To not bury the lead, I like this film a lot. But I, I've been on record many, many times for not being a Tim Burton fan. Um, this isn't... Uh, isn't news to anyone who listens to this podcast that I'm not a big fan of Tim Burton. I find him very, uh, I don't know what the word is, ineffectual and dull as a director. That being said, I think this is a very good film. I think probably because he's repeated these themes ad infinitum for, you know, the last two decades. But that being said, I enjoy this film. I also think it's also worth noting that I am a large comic book fan. So I come to this this franchise with some back history and some interaction with Batman outside of the movie um, movie world. And I think Sam mentioned, you mentioned it there briefly, at, the, at this point in the mainstream, shall we say, Batman was still Adam West. He was still, you know, a grey suit, small boy in red shorts, playing Robin. That's who Batman was. In the interim, in the comic book world, as you flagged up, you had, you know, this reinvention of Batman as the Dark Knight, as this kind of grim and gritty sort of reimagining of this character from how he was in the comics so whilst this was wasn't a revelation to comic fans to the wider public this reimagining of batman was revolutionary and certainly out there and i think the interesting casting certainly is um mark keaton who at this point already been a comedic actor in most of the 80s his role and him his taking on of, of the batman mythos um was this bridging of the gap, like you know, so you're taking a, a traditionally comic actor and making him be this kind of dark grittiness. I do have some issues with the film. I think that one large tenant of Batman's um, character is that he doesn't kill. It's comes up quite a lot in other films. Yet in this film, he kind of kills with uh, with a plum and very little thought. Um, also, one thing that really irked me about this film is the what I would class almost the betrayal of Batman by Alfred 
uh, when you let Sticky Vale into the Batcave. But really, your uh, your Alfred is going to be the biggest protector of Batman. That being said, I do enjoy this film. It's one of the a very very good portrayal of Batman on screen. But in many ways, I don't think this is Batman's movie. It's not really what well, it's called, Batman. It's not really about Batman. It's more about the Joker. Mm. Um, and it's more about how I suppose the interaction of those two, the Batman Joker, almost the Ouroboros of their of their relationship. And this is the, the big. I'm going to step into spoiler territory here. Um, and this once again is a big diversion from the comics. The idea that Batman created the Joker. But at the end, you discover that Joker created the Batman way, way back. Um, and it was the uh, the Joker pre-chemical um, who killed his parents in the alley, uh, which birthed his obsession with all of this. So you have this kind of uh, symbiotic relationship with the two characters um, in the narrative. But I also think you end up with this sort of, I know, two sides of the same coin nature of their relationships. Hmm. Um, I think that's played to great effect in this film. I I would agree with you with a lot of that. I I enjoyed this film. Um, I don't like you. Don't wish to bury the lead about that. This is um, this this is an enjoyable presentation of a character that I have a lot of time for. Um, in terms of universes, I've talked a lot before about how I prefer Marvel to DC and this is one of those exceptions, one of the exceptions, I, I do have a lot of time for Batman um, and to get immediately very geeky about the reasons for um, for this particular take on Batman um, the the reason that it was so sanitised in the TV version, the reason that there was this sort of this move towards an Adam West presentation of Batman on screen was largely down to the comics code in the mid fifties, and one of the I mean the comics code authority was um, nineteen fifty four that said that comics had to be particularly. Uh, PG in their presentation of certain themes and it means that um, you get well, lots of showing away from killing as as you suggested and also lots of superhero violence it was there was an explosion in um, superheroes in in that period in in the golden age of comics so called and I think this is a really clever take on it because it marries that sort of comic code authority silliness, the silliness that you get in in Batman of the nineteen sixties and Adam West and the slapstick, um, with that real post Frank Miller seriousness, post Frank Miller Alan Moore seriousness, um, of things like the Killing Joke and the dark, the the persona of of Batman as the Dark Knight. And I really enjoy that combination in in this. Uh, I have to say that one one thing I really didn't like about the film was something you've suggested there. Um, I really don't like Jack Napier as the killer of Bruce Wayne's parents. Mm. 
I do not think that works. And I think sort of writing Joe Chill out of the universe and having... It's just a bit too neat, this Joker creates Batman, Batman creates Joker thing. I didn't like that. I didn't like that tie-up. I, 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 I think this is where maybe some of my dislike of... of, of 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 uh, what's the name I'm looking for here? Of um, what's the writer called? Oh, Tim God, Burton. Tim Burton. It's my dislike of Tim Burton. Um, come from a bit is that he isn't telling a Batman story. He's telling a fairy tale. He he's obsessed with mm. fairy tales, dark ones, but fairy tales nonetheless. And fairy tales have to have this kind of capsule-like nature. There has to be this mm. kind of flow forward to backwards in a fairy tale that you know that he's looking to tell a encapsulated story. Um, and that's where I think it comes from. I think he's wrong. I think he makes a mistake there, but I think that's where his intention comes from. I think then that is linked to another thing that I really don't like about this film, which is the fact that the Joker dies, mm. and in in a fairly incompetent way. Fair enough. Yep. And I just wanted more from the character than that. It's, I mean, it seems that because Tim Burton is is composing a fairy tale narrative, as you said, he he has to have this nice, neat resolution. Mm. And I I didn't like the the way that the the direction that he took with that character. But I mean, as I said, this is the these are these are minor quibbles. I do I did enjoy this film. I think this is, this is one of the strange things about this um with this Batman is that. We're talking about it being a darker take on it. We're talking about it being a different, you know, a gritty take on it. But at the same time, the Batman is is as, I suppose, one note as he has been in other things. Like there isn't there isn't any conflict to Batman. The, the conflict in Batman in the film Batman, um, he says Batman is the conflict between Batman and the Joker. Like the, the external conflict between those two ideologies and the idea of you know that Jack Napier isn't free until he becomes the Joker, and Batman mm. and Bruce Wayne isn't free until he becomes the Batman. But there's no duality or there's no contrast or conflict internal to these characters. You don't see Batman wrestling with being Batman. The only moment you get is when he's trying to tell Vicky Vale about being Batman. There's like a conflict there, but it's played for laughs. There isn't that kind of internal battle about this. And there is in, in Joker, Joker, as soon as he becomes Joker, is free and, and there isn't any kind of back and forth. There isn't any kind of opposed depth to these characters. It, it's all external. It's all narrative. There isn't any internal subtext or any internal machinations going in the character. Everyone's who they are start to end. And we're just going through the story. In the same way in a fairy tale, no one learns anything. No one character grows in a fairy tale. It's it's the mm. external, the world around them that they have to combat. Um, and I think that's interesting because we talk about often about darkness and grittiness, and often these days that becomes shorthand for grey characters. You know, the idea of anti-heroes and the characters who no longer fit into a clear good and bad world. Whereas in this film, you've got very clear good and bad. The good guys are a direct line. And then there's the bad guys that you don't cross. Even your ineffectual good guys, you know, uh, Harvey Dent and and uh, that kind of thing, they, they're clearly good. There's no kind of grey area. There's good and bad. And mm. I think that's, for me, the if you were to pick up a theme or look at a, um, 
a uh, idea that overwrites it is this kind of this two-sided nature and it seems strange to talk about that in batman with a film that doesn't feature two-face but you like, everyone is very clearly this way or that way and you have this different sort of these kind of two different worlds interacting the the joker and the batman the batman is very serious very black and very not not grungy but very kind of um precise shall we say um the scene when he drives to the car and he parks the car on top of this like clearly underground spire and it's interesting it's very precise and then you have the joker who's much more freeform much more um anarchic um and the, the 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 duality of those two characters um and those two ways of doing it are I think is what the interesting bit of the film. And this we come back to this, as you said, this kind of cyclic nature of their relationship. They are meant to be two sides of the same coin. They are meant to have this deep, I don't know, clinging relationship to each other. Hmm. Yeah. It's it's strange that you say to have this theme of duality running through a film that doesn't actually feature Harvey Dent's author ego. But there is something I th- I think what what I would look at is the fact that this film is a very successful presentation of a comic book, mm-hmm. and one of the ways in which it's so it it is very successful is the presentation of characters of of good and bad characters of sharply delineated characters. It's for for I mean you've described this as a dark and gritty film and to some extent I agree but to some extent I disagree because it's not it's not gritty in a you'd feel there there are some some films where you can you can actually feel the the grit and the the dirt of of, of the situation this is this is a very clean grittiness it's a very um, bright darkness. It's kind of it's, it's bright and it's musical and it's colourful. And when I mean, when when you have that scene in which the Joker basically torches through his use of of the the hand buzzer trick, he torches a member of the board. It doesn't. You don't feel like there's actually an an ashen corpse at the end of the table you you, you think I'm, I'm not sure it just feel feels like it, it's all very uh, i don't i don't know how to put it it's something that's not quite hmm. i think this is what we're saying it's 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 this duality of it it's gritty but comical you know the the, the 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 corpse at the end of that scene is not a clearly a burnt out corpse it's a it's a comedy skeleton Yes, um, yeah. and it, it, these moments are played for as much horror as they're played for laughs, and in a very different way than like Shaun of the Dead, which is a horror comedy. This is much more slapstick. It, 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 it's you know to, to get theoretical here a little bit. The line between like physical horror and physical comedy is a very fine one. That's where you mm. get horror comedies because you can bridge that gap very easily. Very rarely do you get comedy action films you get things like the rock where he makes jokes but the physicality of an action film remains serious it remains dour um and you can think very rarely do you get comedic action films where the actions are comedy 
Mm. Um, and I think that's kind of what they're going for with bits here. Um, part of that, I mean, it's clear they're trying to set up a franchise here at times. So they're trying to set up certain rules and certain ways of doing things and bridge that gap a little bit in the audience from, say, the, the 60s Batman, where it's all camp and funny and quips, all the way through to um, uh, where they're clearly trying to go with it. And I think it's worth notable that it, is, it isn't Batman, it isn't the good guys who make the quips. It is Joker. They did this free, freed character who can comment on stuff and break all the rules, including what well, doesn't do it. Um, part of his role is breaking that fourth wall about thinking things that Batman that he thinks, and we think about Batman. So the line, infinite line, where does he get his wonderful toys? Is an audience thought. Yes. Yeah. Um, and by Nathan being free, you get to kind of he gets to say these things and you're like, yeah, where does he get those toys? Um, I think there's, they're trying to do some work here to bridge those, that, that, that gap um, between the two. I think this is even carried through into some of the, um, the, the what's it called? The, the production design. Thing. The production design is certainly striking and it's fine. kind of weirdly falls somewhere between art deco, film noir and slapstick. You know, some you know, you you have these scenes in which the Joker is a mime at one point, and you kind of it's invoking this kind of Commedia dell'arte of um, Italy and and the European traditions of physical comedy, um, and the scene in which they go to explore the um, the art gallery. You have he's a very cultured psychopath in many ways. He he, he knows about art and you know um, culture as well as other things. And you have there's, this, you... there's that moment when when Bob is about to deface a picture after all this, all the, the these scenes in which people throw paint on the pictures, and the Joker stops him and says, "No, I like that one." Mm. And it's you're right; he he is a cultured psychopath because he he says, "Well, this is something I like. Stop it! Don't do that." Sorry, carry on. And uh, no, I, I agree. I was, I was point. And also, a scene later on in which he's cutting up pictures of people to kind of create some sort of art piece. Um, and he's very extravagant in a character, and he's invoking these ideas of of a comedic tradition outside of, of of the Batman films. But at the same time, you've got this, you know, this bat this Batman character who clearly comes out of a much darker, grittier, non comedic film. And I think it works. It really works. This kind of the, the, the duality of these two characters and the duality of this film. And I'm sure we'll touch later on in, in the other film the franchise, in which a film, the films, can tip one way or the other. Um, and certainly, before we get to, to mm. Nolan, it tips far more towards the Joker way of doing things. Um, the, the comedic, yeah. over-the-top, you know, better we talk about things like Batman and Robin and Batman Forever. And we'll touch on those more as we, in, in the coming weeks. But, like, this film threaded that needle so well between the two... That's how it works. It's how it works. You know, how the, you look at the buildings, you look at the, um, you got the, the mixture of, you know, sustained art deco, oppressive, brutalist kind of architecture mixed with shining neon and, you know, things like Axis Chemicals, which is clearly an Acme reference from the old Looney Tunes. Um, it, it, yeah. it, 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 it's, it's this mix up, this mashup of, of these different kind of ideas and genres. And for beautiful golden second it works yes 
and actually you've you've talked about talked a lot about the design there i think it's it's also clear in the music um and well i suppose most famously is prince's most famous is prince's involvement 